You are this is crooked. Straight OG brother, is that what you're saying? The coffee boy. I tried to apologize. A cockroach in my apple pie. But that can't always happen when one guy's wearing a recliner. WCW. <laughs> Sky rockets at night. Woo! Afternoon light. I'm out of fish. He has infuriated your husband. Look at the adjective. Play. I appreciate your concern, Deborah McMichael. You look just terrific tonight. I wasn't sure what that word was. Garment. You said a garment. Garment. Well, your lordship. You also drink tea like this, don't you? That little pinky out like that. There's a lady. There's a lady in the man's bathroom. Will there be a little ride on Space Mountain? Let it drag take down. How about that? Let the lady drag take down. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 41 of the Nitromania podcast. My name is Adam. I am your host, and this is the show where a war is coming, and only you can save the princess. I mean, kingdom. I mean, WCW. 41 episodes means there is now one episode for each symphony composed by Mozart, one episode for each soldier killed by Sylvester Stallone in his escape during the Expendables, and for our listeners in Mexico, this episode might just be a little gay. I want to thank Bill again for joining me last week for Great American Bash and the 40th episode of Nitro. We are now officially on the road to Bash at the Beach with the announcement last week that it will be Sting, Luger, and Savage who will take on the two outsiders and their unnamed third man on July 7th. Also last week, the Giant retained his title once again, as did Dean Malenko, and that's about it, really. There was a lot of pay-per-view recap. So, let's get into it. It is Monday, June 24th, 1996, and we are live from Charlotte, North Carolina. This is the Independence Arena in Charlotte, originally known as the Charlotte Coliseum from 1955 to 1988. It was reopened as the Independence Arena in 1993 and had that name until 2001 when it became the Cricket Arena. You, of course, know Cricket Wireless from their multitude of horrible ads that air during Monday Night Raw currently. It went through another name change in 2008 and is now known as the Bojangles Coliseum, thanks to Bojangles' famous chicken biscuits. Of note, at least during its run as the Independence Arena, WWF never ran a show here. Uh, we were last in this building for Nitro episode 15, and prior to that, Starcade 93 was held here, featuring Ric Flair defeating Vader for the world title, Steve Austin defeating Dustin Rhodes for the U.S. title, and the Shockmaster taking on King Kong. Probably not that King Kong. Anyway, opening pyro, and we go to the desk. Tony and Larry start us off. Tony tells us that Eric Bischoff is still recuperating. He calls Bash at the Beach the most important event in WCW history. Larry makes some incredibly grandiose statement about nothing, really. Tony then sends us to footage of Eric Bischoff's death. Tony then sends us to Gene. Pull up your socks and get ready. And the three men who will face the outsiders. Luger. Oh! Sting and Savage. They all have their faces painted. Well, the, the three wrestlers. Gene doesn't, you know. Anyway. Uh, Gene starts off with this odd bit of phrasing. All right, again, Tony Schiavone, I thank you. I must say that very graphic footage has got to stimulate these men because we are inside two weeks. Macho says WCW is their country. They're united by their face paint, and then he just leaves. 
Lex Luger's face paint looks like he's wearing sunglasses. Gene sends us to the video of Hall and Sting from the end of Nitro a few weeks ago, Hall's second appearance on the show, and Sting talks over it. Luger then almost says WWF because he is a moron. We're unified as a team. WWCW stands tall. They stand strong. They say it's where the big boys play. These guys are going to find out what a war is all about. Because we're all in paint. We're unified as a unit. Because we are the very best. Isn't that right, Stinger? Scott Steiner then appears out of nowhere, says they'll watch their backs if they want, but tonight it's about the tag team titles. Then Harlem Heat show up out of nowhere, and Booker starts yelling about stuff. It all breaks down into unintelligible yelling, and Gene sends us back to the arena. Tony tells us it will be a triangle match for the tag belts later on tonight. The Blue Bloods, Lord Stephen Regal and Squire David Taylor, then enter, accompanied by Jeeves and Earl Robert Eaton. Their opponents are Public Enemy. During Public Enemy's entrance, we have no commentary. Then they split screen with a Public Enemy promo, but they don't give a sound for the first few seconds of it, cutting in on what sounds like the word, BIKINIS! More silence from commentary until Tony comes back in the middle of a sentence. Apparently, at some point, there will be a dog collar match between Public Enemy and, I think, the Nasty Boys. I assume that's at Bash at the Beach. Public Enemy have this dog collar with them tonight. They faff about for far too long before actually starting the match. At one point, Regal dances, gets drop-kicked out of the ring, and then tags David Taylor in from the floor. I swear to God, Nick Patrick has no idea what he's doing. Taylor gets dropkicked over the top, and for the first time in weeks, they make excuses about why that wasn't a disqualification. (sighs) Give it a rest. In fact, give it up completely. Tony tells us that Hall and Nash are here, still without saying Hall or Nash. The match eventually breaks down into chaos, as expected. Grunge eventually pins Taylor after hitting him with his cast. We get replays and go to break on a Booker T promo. When we come back, enter the Taskmaster and Jimmy Hart. His opponent is already in the ring, some schmuck named Kip A.B., according to Cage Match. Taskmaster throws Kip into the crowd and then just beats him up into the people and out onto the concourse. In a rare show of mid-90s gender equality, they then try to go into the women's room, but Doug Dillinger blocks the way. As they go back towards the ring, Tony tells us that they're going to try for a countout. Try? It's already been like three minutes. Back to ringside, Gene is in the ring. Tony tells us that Kevin Sullivan has been disqualified. That was a fucking match for you. Gene says that Sullivan seems to have a thing for, quote-unquote, two-holers, bathrooms, and then smirks at the camera while Jimmy Hart yells as though he just made the funniest fucking joke in the world. He asks Kevin about the tag match at Bash at the Beach. Sullivan and the Giant will be taking on Benoit and Anderson. If the Horsemen win, the Giant has to put the title on the line the next night on Nitro. Jimmy then yells about Flair's catchphrases and threatens to choke himself to death. We come back from break for the Glacier promo. I like how they put the year on there. July 1996. Just in case people thought maybe they were running these vignettes 13 months in advance. Back to the arena and that schmuck hard work, Bobby Walker is trying to take the Cruiserweight Championship from Dean Malenko. Tony tells us that Kevin Green is here, and DDP will be fighting later on tonight. 
Malenko will be defending the cruiserweight title against Disco Inferno at Bash at the Beach, assuming, of course, that he can get through Bobby Walker here tonight. Sorry. Disco eventually appears at ringside with a gold record for his Shake Your Booty Tour CD. Disco grabs a mic and tells them to play his music. He then dances in the corner while the match continues. Bobby Walker is stupid enough to allow this to cost him the match and the title. Gene is in the ring with the champion. Malenko is upset. It looks like Disco is considering hitting Dean with the gold record, but Dean tells him to cut his shit. Don't you ever even think so? Oh, hey, Mr. Personality, this whole show is about television ratings. Now, everybody knows that Disco Inferno's on a Shake Your Booty Tour. My new Shake Your Booty Tour CD just went gold, and everybody wants to see me dance. Now, hey, let's face it. You and Bobby Walker just were not having a good night, and let's face facts, you were stinking up the joint. Hey, that, I'm going to take exception to that, Gene Malenko. Give me this, give me this, hey. What, what's your story, pal? Hey, I just figured that it was a perfect time for me to come down and do a little dance, make a little love, and get down tonight. Now, if you're upset with that, excuse me. Hey, hey, you may be the man of a thousand holds, but I just sold a million CDs. <laughs> I think this guy's got a, a little trouble. Uh, he's introverted, I'd have to say. Disco Inferno, you're right, I am the man of a thousand holds, but at the Bash of the Beach, it's just going to take one to take you out. Thank you very much, Cruiserweight Champ Dean Malenko, and stay tuned when we come back. More action here on Monday Nitro. A Bash at the Beach commercial brings us back this week on Saturday night. Sting, Luger, and Macho Man take on three unnamed men. Rey Mysterio Jr. will be there, and Earl Robert Eaton takes on John Tenta. Haven't had one of those in a while. Back to the arena for Barbarian versus Eddie Guerrero. Eddie starts things off using his quickness to avoid Barbarian's attacks, but then he tries a single leg takedown and Barbarian makes him pay for it. Barbarian dominates Eddie until Eddie avoids a splash in the corner, botches a Hurricane Rana or some sort of Frankensteiner, and hits a side slam, but then gets caught on top and gets a belly-to-belly superplex that sends him out of the ring. Eddie then counters a superplex and lands on top of Barbarian for the awkward pinfall and the victory. Weird match. Mean Gene is in the ring again. Gene is cruel enough to remind us that the last time we saw Eddie was that horrid U.S. title match with Conan at Uncensored with that stupid low blow finish that wasn't a low blow. Eddie asks for another shot at the United States Championship They then start to play the Nitro theme song as Gene asks Eddie another question about his international adventures and then tries to cut him off to send it to break. Good job, Gene. We come back for the horsemen, Anderson and Benoit, accompanied by Mongo and his briefcase. They are facing... Oh, for fuck's sake. The Rock and Roll Express. They enter as the Stick of Dynamite appears. They also enter to no theme song. The Rock and Roll Express have no music. Unnecessary pyro as we go to Hour 2 and Bobby the Brain takes his place in the booth and we go to break. We come back to Bobby talking about the interlopers. For some reason, Larry is still there for a moment. They lock up after what feels like three or four minutes of doing absolutely nothing. They show us the empty VIP section and say Flair and the ladies have decided not to come out and watch the match because Macho Man is in the building. 
Horsemen win. Of course they do. Then Joe Gomez tries to attack the horseman three on one. Idiot. He still looks like a hair metal band reject. Apparently, Gomez and Mongo will fight at Bash at the Beach. Great. Then, Kevin Green and Macho Man run down to save Gomez. Gene is with Flair and the ladies. Gene says they're back in a secured area. It's the same goddamn locker room set as the top of the show with Sting, Luger, and Macho Man. Mongo yells at Gene. Gene says they're out of time. Flair yells at Conan for some reason. Gene sends us to break and tells Flair to give it a rest. Direct quote. DDP promo takes us to break. Tony and Bobby talk about how the locker room is united in the face of the invaders. Then another match for the Lord of the Ring. Ring. Alex Wright will try and take the ring from DDP tonight. Again, during DDP's entrance, we get no commentary. And then at the start of the match, we come into Tony in the middle of a sentence. Are they dubbing music or something? DDP has legitimately the worst hair in the business at this point in time. It's like it's like some sort of permed mullet, basically. I mean, again, we've said it time and time again on the show. He's a great wrestler. He's a great worker. He's he's really good at what he does in, in being, you know, a douchebag heel at this point. But that hair is just the worst. Uh, DDP wins with the diamond cutter. I, I really think they're dubbing over music because when he wins, we barely hear David Penzer and we don't hear any commentary until the music stops and Mean Gene is talking in the ring. Mean Gene is in the ring again. Uh, DDP will be facing Jim Duggan in a taped fist match at Bash at the Beach, but DDP isn't concerned. He then says that it is a conspiracy to keep him down, and I have to agree. First, he loses his world title shot for no reason whatsoever, and now he has to face Jim Duggan? That is a massive conspiracy. We go to break on a Macho Man promo on The Outsiders. Glacier promo again, same one, July 1996. And now Gene is in the aisle with Kevin Green. Great. Gene gets upset with Kevin for saying ass. Green says Mongo's face will be on every player he takes out, and then after the season is over, he'll be hunting Mongo down, and he, Macho Man, and two more WCW superpowers, quote-unquote, will take out the horseman. <sighs> Enter VK Wall Street. He is Macho's opponent tonight, so I would expect some kind of outside interference, or perhaps outsider interference, if you will. Kevin Green comes immediately back out with the Macho Man. Green, who was just complaining about Mongo cheating to win at the pay-per-view cheats to help Macho win. Douche. Sting and Luger send us to break. Luger's face not painted in the promo. Continuity, guys. It matters. The WCW Magazine commercial and then it is main event time. Booker T is on the phone as Harlem Heat enter. Apparently this is some kind of gimmick. During the Steiner's entrance, a fan in the aisle grabs Scott's jacket, causing him to uh, lurch backwards and then step towards the fan. The camera cuts away so we don't see Scott murder a fan. We then go to break. Two entrances out of three. And we go to break. All right. We come back for Sting and Luger's entrance. Sting is wearing one of Bret Hart's jackets. This is another one of those fun WCW triangle matches where there's three teams, but there's only two people in the ring at a time and they have to tag in and out because why else would you? Whatever. 
<sighs> Booker starts with Scott Steiner. Arm drag takes Booker down. Then a reversed hip toss. That uh, a reversal of a hip toss into a hip toss. A reversed hip toss. I had a shut up. That that Tony calls a reverse beal. Not even close. Steiner ducks the spin kick and hits a butterfly suplex. Then they both tag out. Rick Steiner and Stevie Ray in now as Tony goes on about all the famous people who sent well wishes to Bischoff, including the mayor of some random bugfuck podunk town in Michigan. I think it was Michigan. Anyway, German suplex by Rick gets a one count. Rick tags out to Scott and then Scott tags out to Sting. Stevie works Sting in the corner and then tags in Booker. Sting ducks the roundhouse kick and Booker crotches the top rope. Some momentum there. Sting hits Booker with an inverted atomic drop that Tony calls an inverted powerbomb. Not even close. And gets a two count. Scoop slam by Stevie Ray on Sting and a nerve hold as we go to break. Back from break and it's Sting and Booker in the ring. Booker breaks a sleeper with a jawbreaker. His brain tells us he has a guest coming next Monday night. Uh, George and Barbara, he says. Rest in peace, Barbara Bush. Spinning wheel kick on Sting gets a two count that Rick Steiner breaks up. They then collide heads and Sting falls face first into Stevie's crotch. Comedy. Stevie tags Booker and Booker misses a dive. Sting tags in Luger for the first time tonight. Power slam on Booker as the intruders come through the crowd and security rush the ring. Despite the ring filling with security guards, Nick Patrick still counts a pinfall and Harlem Heat are the new tag team champions. That was fucking weird. Anyway, Booker and Stevie take the belts and scram while Hall looks at them incredulously. We get an odd close-up of a security guard's hand on his gun. Hall and Nash go back-to-back in the aisle, and in the midst of this, they give us a replay of the finish. Booker rolled up Luger, and Luger didn't give a shit. We then go to the desk with no resolution of what's happening in the ring. In the background, we see wrestlers and cops leaving through the entrance. As Tony says, WCW will not go lightly. Uh, Bobby takes his leave as Tony sends us off the air. This episode of Nitro, to me, was not as solid as in weeks past. Something felt uh, a little lacking here. Uh, It almost felt like kind of a rehash of last week's episode, in terms of the story, because nothing new was presented in the Outsiders story here. Bischoff is still hurt. We have no additional footage or updates on that. Just a couple more replays of him getting powerbombed through the stage at, at, at Great American Bash. We know who the three guys are for WCW at Bash at the Beach to take on the Outsiders and their mystery partner. It felt like we were treading water here. And then the, just the bizarre finish to the main event did nothing to improve matters at all. They come, they, they come down, we get a shot of them coming through the crowd, down actually the same stairs that uh, Kevin, and, uh, Kevin Sullivan dra- dragged Kip A.B. up uh, with, with baseball bats, aluminum baseball bats. And then security floods the ring, they all stare at each other, and then we go to commentary and nothing fucking happened. I don't know. So, uh, plus, you, you, you've got all this happening... You've got, you know, the intruders coming in from the crowd, police and security storming the ring, you know, fucking uh, baseball bats, and everyone's wondering what the hell is going on, and you still count a pinfall? Was there really no other way that you could think of to get the belts off of Luger and Sting? Like, 
And when they show us the replay of, of the finish, Booker rolls up Luger, Patrick counts to three, and Luger just jumps right back up and stares down Hall and Nash again like nothing fucking happened. The only people who gave any kind of shit that the tag titles had just changed hands were Booker and Stevie Ray, and having them celebrating with the titles while walking past Hall and Nash and their aluminum baseball bats was just fucking weird it was it was strange it was odd it was just bizarre to me a very a very strange way to, to finish the show um if you go back and watch anything uh in this episode i would say make it ddp versus alex Wright. nothing else really makes the cut this week uh, i thought that match was really good uh, uh and you can listen to the bizarre uh what i'm now convinced is dubbed music uh and you know the, the audio issues that that creates um uh, on that uh, on that same note, uh, you know the show only has a three point five out of ten on Cage Match this week and pulled in a three point three TV rating, down slightly from last week. Um, yeah, just a just a strange. Uh, okay, before uh, before we jump to Raw, we actually have some business to attend to. Uh, this doesn't usually happen on non pay per view episodes, but it's time to decide someone's fate. Uh, June twenty fourth, nineteen ninety six, is the last Nitro or pay per view appearance for that schmuck hard work bobby walker um the weird thing about it is that walker is with the company for quite some time after this match his final match isn't until february of 2000 but he only ever had three matches on nitro or on pay-per-view he was in the battle royal at world war three that we talked about with andy along with the last appearance of the yeti of course uh, as you'll remember, I'm sure. Uh, he had the match a month ago where he won, uh, or he sloppily won the title shot. And then he had the match tonight where he didn't win the title. That's it. That's it. Uh, schmuck. Having all that information on hand, I don't even need to put up a Twitter poll on this one. Um, hard work. You're going to the dumpster. <laughs> Also of note, and more of a technicality than anything, uh, this episode of Nitro was the first and only appearance of Kip A.B. on the show. Uh, he was in WCW briefly for a time in 91, and then also in 95. This was actually his last match in WCW ever, uh, but his only appearance on Nitro. So as a technicality, Kip A.B., you're also going in the dumpster. Bye. All right. Meanwhile, over on Raw, we are live from Green Bay, Wisconsin. The new Intercontinental Champion, Ahmed Johnson, pins Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Ahmed calls Doc Hendricks Mike and then says he's very proud to be the first ever African-American Intercontinental Champion. We get a recap slash commercial for King of the Ring and its replay tomorrow night. The Foot Action Slam of the Week. God, Foot Action. Could they not have come up with a better fucking name for that store? The foot action slam of the week is a top rope powerbomb by Marty Jannetty on Skip. The Body Donnas, with Cloudy making her Raw debut, uh, defeat the Brooklyn Brawler and Jerry Fox. Camp Cornette defeats the team of Savio Vega, Aldo Montoya, and Barry Horowitz when Owen makes Aldo submit to the sharpshooter. Then the ad for the King of the Ring replay again. Brian Pillman appears on crutches. He apparently wants his money and believes that yelling at lowly commentator Vince McMahon will somehow accomplish this. And in your main event, 
The Undertaker defeats your new King of the Ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin, by disqualification. This episode of Raw has a 3.3 out of 10 on Cage Match and got a 2.7 TV rating up slightly from last week. And that is it for June 24th. Come and see me live and in person this Saturday at A Nightmare on Bow Street, live from the Beverly Salem Lodge of Elks in Beverly, Massachusetts. Please be sure to check out all the shows on the Questionable Endeavor Network over at questendnetwork.com. There's stuff for all kinds of interests over there. I'm sure you'll find something you like. In fact, why don't you give this show a shot? Hey guys, William Rankin here from the New Blood Rising podcast. Just wanted to uh, give a little bit more background about our show here on the Questionable Endeavor Network. We are a timeline-based pro wrestling podcast, a nostalgia podcast in a lot of ways because we look at past eras of professional wrestling and try to find either either missing nuggets that we never saw before or maybe we re-examine things that we thought were once excellent that maybe aren't so much anymore and vice versa. We go through a variety of different seasons. We've gone through uh, Vince Russo era WCW. We've gone through the invasion era of the WWF. We've watched every single ECW pay-per-view and talked about them. We've even gone through the Undertaker's streak, his streak at WrestleMania and basically all his WrestleMania matches, even beyond the streak. Spoiler alert, he lost at some point. And we talk about it. So that's who we are. We're the New Blood Rising Podcast. We're on Twitter at New Blood Pod. We're on Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast. Please drop us a rating and review on iTunes. And please continue to subscribe to this on the Questionable Endeavor Network, as well as many of the other fine podcasts here. If you like what we do here on The Rundown and you'd like to help us out, we would certainly appreciate it. You can make a one-time donation by going to paypal.me slash rundownwrestling or sign on as a patron and make a monthly donation at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. For the low, low price of $5 a month, you get early access to shows and Patreon-exclusive episodes like an awesome superstar shakeup edition of last week's episode, episode 40, that you'll have to hear to believe. For $10 a month, you get all that, plus the ability to co-host any episode of whatever show on our feed you want, except for the sit-down. All of your donations are greatly appreciated, and all the money donated goes right back into the show to ensure that you get all the rundown you deserve and more. So, with all that said, it has actually occurred to me that next week is July 1st, and July 1st is our go-home episode for Bash at the Beach. So be sure to listen in then to find out who will be joining me for our Bash at the Beach episode. I know, so quick. Uh, we just had a special guest last week, and, and many thanks again to Bill for joining me last week for the murder of Eric Bischoff. Why did they schedule two pay-per-views only three weeks apart? Maybe this week's episode shows that they weren't actually able to stretch out this Who's the Third Man story any longer than that. Anyway, we'll talk more about that next week, I'm sure, so be sure to join me then for another jam-packed episode of Nitro Nitro.